Hi there, everybody. Uh, this is Stephen Lurie with B2B Rocks. Today's December 13th. Um, today, we're going to be talking about anticipated social media trends for 2023. We'll be talking with Hootsuite, uh, with uh, Konstantin Prodnanovich. I hope I got that right. Uh, he'll tell me if I got it wrong. Uh, in any case, um, glad to see you here all today. Um, just some quick notes here before we get started. Uh, on Thursday, December 15th, uh, funny sound today. On December 15th, we're going to have Allison Murdoch here. She's a co-founder and CEO of Trusted CMO. Talk about a little bit how some SaaS companies are, um, going against the trend and not decreasing marketing spend as they go towards 2023, which is kind of interesting uh, because we see um, there's a lot going on right now in our marketplace, in the SaaS marketplace. And then our last show of the year is going to be on December 20th, again, 6 p.m. And we're going to be talking about IoT. I think IoT is a really interesting market because everybody was predicting really big things with IoT. And it just hasn't panned out. Um, so analysts were predicting billion, billion, super gazillion-sized marketplace. Um, billions of devices around the world. So what happened? What went wrong? What did they not figure out? What did they not know? What did they not anticipate? And we're going to talk about that a little bit about the market there. Um, really quickly... Uh, I want to talk about one other thing before I invite our guest in here today. This is uh, ChatGPT, AI chatbot. And I'm actually going to maybe ask our guest about this because, um, you know, a few years ago, they were saying about AI is that it wouldn't have a creative impact. Um, that this thing was really good at doing data, but it couldn't do the creative stuff. No, um, the degree of intelligence that artificial intelligence and machine learning is capable of is pretty astounding. Um, yeah, it's getting really interesting. Um, I know that Google is always trying to make sure, is already trying to make sure that people don't post uh, content that's generated with AI. I have no idea how they're going to prevent that from happening. Um, so it's going to be a really interesting time. Uh, I'm going to do some research on ChatGPT. Uh, try and bring somebody on here who can talk about this, talk about what the opportunities are, how it's going to impact our industry of SaaS, and what's going to happen with that. Um, okay, hold on here. Let me, with that, uh, bring in our guest, uh, Constantin. You there? Yes. Hi. Thank you good. for having me. Good. How do you how do you pronounce your last name again here? No worries. It's a very long Slavic last name, so you got very close. It's Pradanovic. Pradanovic. Okay. Yes. Thank you. All good. And you can just call me Costa if that's easier too. I've been going by Costa for the last well twenty nine years of my life, so I'm more than happy to do that as well. But, okay, Costa. Costa. It is. Sounds good. That that sounds friendly. Um, just real quickly before we start talking about social media. Have you been following this chat GPT thing? As a copywriter, I've I've unfortunately had to. No, I 
I have. It's it's. I think it's a really interesting tool. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I kind of, when people talk about it, I don't know if it's a great thing or if the skies have falling and I need to learn how to go grow organic vegetables and, and, and raise goats. <laughs> what do you think? What's, do we have a future? Um, as someone who's I'd written... love to go uh, raise goats and grow organic vegetables. I feel like that's the dream. If I yeah. could check that early and do that, that'd be great. No, no, no. I, <laughs> I, I don't think that at least in the short term, AI is going to be replacing copywriting. Okay. I think it's a very powerful tool for uh, a few things. I think it helps people consolidate thoughts. I think it can streamline things like SEO blogs. I think it can help you maybe get like a jumping off point from which to start your thinking because what that AI chatbot is doing is, I mean, pulling from around the internet and pulling sources and, and giving you kind of a focused nugget of insight. So I actually think more than something that should be counterposed to copywriting or to, to copywriters that they should feel threatened by, we should start using it as a tool to help us do our job faster, better, more efficiently. Um, and yeah, I'm honestly excited by it. I mean, I say that until it, it gets the capacity to have emotions and then, well, then I'm going to go with the goats. <laughs> <laughs> then you're going with the goats and the organic food. Okay. Uh, have have you checked any of this stuff out? Uh, I was experiment with something called Writesonic recently. Have you used any of this stuff? I have. I've tried chat GPT. Uh, okay. I asked well, how long Hootsuite copywriters had left yesterday, and it okay. said it was up to the organization. Uh, so, <laughs> so if my bosses are listening, balls in your court. Yeah. Uh, and I started using one called Lex, uh, which I thought was really good. Uh, I jokingly got it to write me a bunch of blogs about uh, how chat, how, uh, how long until chatbots took over certain industries like academia, uh, copywriting. Uh, what was the other one that I did? Uh, creative writing, like writing novels. So I, I got the actual chatbot to start writing articles about itself taking over those industries. Uh, and some of them were really funny, <laughs> but yeah, that's, great. that's how I spend my, my spare time. Apparently, <laughs> um, that's, that's, that's really funny. Uh, well, listen, the, I guess we've, we've, I, I want to get someone on here to talk about chat GPT, uh, and probably how we need to tax these things to pay for universal income. If that's the, if they're going to do that away, um, yeah, that's really interesting. Well, listen, let's get to, get to the heart of the subject. So let's talk about social media. Uh, we're going towards very quickly. We're going towards 2023. Every year, Hootsuite comes out with a report on social media. So, what were some of the findings you saw this year with the report? Oh man, I've got seven. Uh, so I've got I've got a lot to talk about. But um, we one of the things that I'm really proud of that we did this year that I just for context for the audience was um, we've been running this report for seven years, like Steve said. And the survey this year had over 10,000 respondents and we've split it out over 11 industry verticals uh, and across businesses, large and small. And we've really been able to slice our data to give businesses more specific insights and to get more granular uh, insights into the actual report itself. So yeah, I could talk about anything. I could talk about things from the creator economy and where I expect that to go in 2023. We can talk about maybe the value of cross-posting because uh, I know that a lot of businesses and a lot of marketers, especially small business marketers, are wondering which platforms to be on. And then I've also have some insights across social commerce, if we want to talk about that, and then customer service, which I think is one of those uh, dark horses that we don't really like to think about on a daily basis as marketers. But 
we inherently have to, and the data points to some of that. So I'm going to toss the ball back in your court. Maybe. Okay. Well, listen, um, I think that that's great. Well, that's, that's, there's a lot to go through and unpack there. I think, you know, one of the things that's happened at B2B SaaS, which is kind of like our core center here, which is, of course, the industry is facing headwinds, which we haven't really seen since 2000, 2009. That's fine. Um, you know, seasons, you know, things grow and then get pruned back. That That's going to happen. Um, but one of the things we're seeing is that people are really turning back towards the customer uh, because the priority is on keeping uh, the existing customers happening, making sure they're onboarded, right? Making sure the customer service is happening and then trying to grow their revenue on the back end of the funnel. So let's talk about how people are using that for customer service. Yeah, of course. So one of the big things that we saw over the span of the pandemic, or at least what the data tells us, um, was that. In 2020, when obviously people were dealing with lockdowns, people were put indoors, many businesses were forced to shutter. What happened was, and everyone on this this call is probably going to know this, but just to to kind of backtrack a bit and remind us, probably don't even want to think about it. (laughs) Think about 2020. uh, People went and started focusing on digital customer service, and that became table stakes. And I think a lot of customers started to expect that businesses would have digital customer service as ta- as a table stakes option so that mm-hmm. people in marketing were going to be responding uh, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, that their DMs were not going to be left unanswered for a while, that you didn't have to go through uh, a call center on a phone to, to get an inquiry resolved. Um, one of the things that we've seen since that time is that as people have kind of gone back to the brick and mortar shopping experience, um, Customer expectations for those digital channels haven't changed all that much. So now businesses are in this predicament where as budgets are going down, as revenues decreasing, as headcounts are decreasing across the board, um, they're left trying to manage two things where they were once trying to manage one. And that has led to customers actually reporting. There's a Forrester customer service index that said that uh, customer service um customer service um what's it called um uh oh, i'm blanking right now it's okay <laughs> people's expectations of customer service were the lowest they've ever have been essentially oh really uh, yeah which wow. which is interesting to me and i yeah. mean since the inception of the survey it's been around okay. for about 15 years now and so yeah, I, I think that you're right. I think that that marketers are going to have to renew the focus that they put on customer service on these channels where they weren't necessarily managing them before. Um, and that's been the kind of biggest takeaway. That's it's funny. It's just from a purely Pavlovian standpoint, I tried to work with an organization with their customer service and got no help. Yeah. And, and I lit them up on Twitter and they got to me immediately and help get the problem solved and figured out. And so I'm like, why would I ever fool around and call anybody? Yeah. I'm just going to like DM them. If they don't respond, I put them on blast. And then typically I get how I, how I want things. Totally. Well, I, I also think that there's this kind of misconception in marketing, at least, that branding is a logo or a... Uh, or, or your art direction or your copywriting or your tone of voice. Yeah. Um, but really, and this is Marty Numer, who was an art director. I hope he's still alive. I think he's still alive. 
um, who was saying that a brand is really branding is really the impression that you leave with each and every one of your customers and that you're actually not in control of what that brand actually is. Um, and if we think about it that way, I mean, customer service to some extent is just as important as the logo you're using or your tone of voice. It's, it, it does impact your brand and therefore it is a marketing problem in many ways. Yeah. 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 I think, I think customer service is part of your brand and, and frankly, it's part of your product. So, yeah. um, yeah, because it's, you can sell on your customer service, on your onboarding, on your, on how you, you, you educate your customers. So no, absolutely. Okay. Uh, are there any other things to note about customer service on, on, on the thing? Are there any platforms that seem to be more customer service focused or people seem to be using more to address customer service? I think rather than the, the kind of volume on each specific platform, I mean, the volume is relative to monthly active users on, on specific platforms. So yeah. Facebook, still massive. Instagram, still massive. Twitter, massive. In TikTok, growing. Um, but I think the biggest takeaway is that you do need to be monitoring these channels and that your customers have an expectation. And that I, I think the other like the one big takeaway from the report that we also found was that um, customer service tends to be siloed. Right. It, a lot of marketers don't see it as necessarily their responsibility to be managing these customer service requests if they have a dedicated customer support or community management team. Right. Um, I think that it's going to take some rethinking on our end as a, as a marketer and speaking for myself too, uh, about taking on some of that responsibility and maybe building better bridges with our customer support and community management teams in order to handle those requests better. Okay. So processes need to come catch up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay. Great. Cause we weren't doing enough, right? Um, oh, so it's, it's, everything's a marketing problem. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> That's funny because um, someone was arguing that marketing has gotten too big and too not focused enough because it's like anything that's not part of anything else is just thrown into marketing, customer service, <laughs> customer onboarding, everything. That's all marketing things. It's true. Because <laughs> the most skilled people are in marketing. Okay. Yeah, say that here. It's a safe space. Yeah. We'll say that. Most skilled people in marketing. Okay. Um, <laughs> often people that went from sales or Okay, interesting. Um, what about uh, you were talking about? I forgot all the the bullet points you're going to come up with your next yeah. bullet point. Yeah, of course. One of the so we split the report this year into marketing, uh, social commerce, and customer service. And so okay. we talked about the customer service stuff. Maybe some of the more interesting points and the bread and butter of Hootsuite, at least, comes out of the marketing side of things. Okay. I think. I mean. I think one of the biggest things for uh, that has brought appeal right now is the creator economy. I mean, it's buzzy. People are talking about it. Uh, it's interesting. And w w as revenues are decreasing and as marketing budgets are being slashed, although apparently, as we're, you were saying at the beginning, there's companies that aren't doing that. And kudos yeah. to them because, I mean, it happens every time during a recession, marketing budgets get slashed. And then the long tail of that is sales lag for a very long time. Yeah. We can talk about that. That's a, a whole other thing. When it comes to creators, uh, we're seeing a lot more small businesses open themselves up to the potential of working with mid-sized creators. Um, I think that, that that's a really interesting point that came out of the report. So bigger businesses, as they're pulling back their marketing spend, are spending less money on their creator partnerships. 
But what's happening is there's this market of creators that is now looking to also, I mean, help help make ends meet essentially, right? right? This is the business, this is their livelihood. Um, and smaller businesses who are struggling with, with general marketing problems like content creation or uh, figuring out how to use the specific channels in order to, to actually achieve uh, the results they want, uh, have a really big opportunity to turn to creators. And one of the things that we did in the survey, I think one of the reasons they don't is they assume that creators are maybe too expensive or out of reach or the process of actually reaching out to, to creators is a little bit too uh, opaque for them to actually approach. Yeah. And so, I mean, I encourage people to read the report because we've done a full breakdown of how much creators typically cost, uh, how much they expect from the businesses they work with, uh, and then also giving people a breakdown of like how to go about establishing those partnerships and working with the right creators for their business. Um, but yeah, that to me is probably one of the big, the biggest, most interesting nuggets from the report. Are, are, how do how does one engage with a creator? Do you just like pull off their email and, and send them an email? Are there platforms that can give you access to creators? What what how does one even start about that with that? There are there are third party platforms that will put you in touch with creators, and I don't have any off the top of my head, but I'm happy to send people a link afterwards. Okay. Um, what we also found was that the majority of businesses do not work with third-party platforms. What they're doing is direct outreach. So okay. uh, they're honestly just messaging them on LinkedIn, on Twitter, on Instagram, on TikTok, uh, and establishing a relationship there. But I think where it all starts is really trying to find a creator who's good and a good fit for your business. Say, right. I think a lot of people make the assumption that like just because a creator has broad reach that that's the right creator for them to be using and they should be uh, you know, amplifying as much as possible. But when you really think about it, say you're a FinServe company, it might benefit you more to start working with creators on TikTok who are maybe talking about um, personal finance or budgeting, which aren't necessarily the most, I don't know, broad appeal, sexy things to be, to be, to be, I don't know, clicking on, but it's going to be much more targeted at the audience that you're initially looking for. And they're gonna be more receptive to hearing from your brand or hearing about a creator talk about your brand in that moment. Um, but yeah, I think that the biggest thing, takeaway is, is outreach and then letting those relationships run long-term. We were talking to a really great business called Panty uh, who does uh, um, women's underwear. And they they make a really, hard point of working with creators who uh, are going to work with them long term and then establishing that relationship over a longer period of time. Mm -hmm. uh, and yeah, it's really benefiting them. That's great. I noticed the, the one brand that I've really been aware of that's really present using creators that that's in my life is I've been watching a lot of reports on the Ukraine war and NordVPN is like sponsoring all the creators around NordVPN or around around the war. There's like th four or five of them they're supporting, or have s signed deals with, and it's people who I guess in that audience are going to be concerned about security, are going to be kind of like more disciplined, more organized, and so th that's the audience, and and looks like they figured it out. 
I think we have the same YouTube algorithm. Uh, I've watched those too, but I haven't made that connection between NordVPN and the and those creators yet. That's really interesting. That's so cool. <laughs> I don't know. That's my take on it, but you know, I may be way off on this. So no, so. no. I think that's a very fair read, uh, oh. and especially if people are are. I mean, especially if people are are watching those videos in Ukraine and looking for a VPN service or in Russia. Um, mm. But yeah, that's a whole side tangent to get down. Another thing. Um, yeah, it's it's kind of interesting to think about it. Um, I think going to the platform, one of the advantages to that is is maybe you can find someone who's more aligned, who's going to have a more aligned audience. And then also, I think just kind of a good idea, just to get an idea like what the pricing is out there. Because otherwise, I wouldn't even know. I mean, I guess you can go read blogs and about that and, and other stuff like that. But that's interesting. What about cross-posting? You, meant, you meant mentioned cross-posting. What's going on there? Totally. Uh, so one of the big things that we found, and I've got the, the actual notes right in front of me. I'm going to pull them up. Uh, I'm a writer, not a speaker. So <laughs> working on the speaker. You're, you're doing a great job. Thank you. I appreciate yeah. that. Um, one of the things that I think many social marketers have noticed is that the social networks seem to be almost Frankensteining into themselves. So TikTok came out and then so did reels and then so did fleets if fleets if anybody remembers fleets uh but no uh, it's they, fleets. They, they essentially a, a lot of the platforms are trying to dominate your attention right they're trying to keep as much of it as possible they're trying to keep you on those platforms keep you engaged what a lot of the networks i think are not quite grasping necessarily is that user attention isn't a zero sum game that a lot of consumers or people in general uh, have a preconception about what your network is used for and tend to use it for those purposes. And in our report, we have a really clear breakdown of where people tend to go for entertainment. TikTok is largely, I mean, 80, I think I'm gonna look up the actual stat. 77.4% um, of TikTok users are going to the, the platform specifically looking for, for funny or entertaining content okay. versus say 71% of Facebook users who are going to go the, to engage with family and friends. Um, I promise this gets back to cross-posting. And the reason that it is important when you're thinking about cross-posting across platforms is many businesses, I think, uh, have one message or one ad that they'll try and repurpose across all of the networks as if they're reaching different people or as if they're reaching people uh in kind of in the same mindset across all of them but that's actually not the case right if if people are going to TikTok looking for funny and entertaining content they're much more receptive to funny or entertaining advertising or marketing material on that platform versus a place like facebook where it might be more appropriate to be focused on family care or uh, uh personal finance or things that people are thinking about when they're messaging their family and friends and so, yeah, that's that. That's the cross-posting takeaway. Uh, so, 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 sounds Pavlovian again. I mean, if, if you're going, if if you're going to TikTok, and you surf me up something serious, I'm not ready for it. Exactly. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna push it off. Push it off my screen. I gotta wonder how much. I mean, it's. I think the Pavlovian analogy is interesting, I, and and it's I. I'm curious how much of the network's branding affects the perception versus just organic user experience over time, right? Like if LinkedIn pivoted and started doing funny and entertaining content, 
I think a lot of people wouldn't necessarily be receptive to having that kind of content <laughs> in front of them. We go there expecting to have professional conversations and to talk to recruiters and to uh, build our professional networks. And so, yeah, I, I mean, yeah. largely those platforms are utilities just taking over different parts of our lives and in very interesting ways. Uh, and I think it's worth changing. Well, I don't know about you, but on LinkedIn, if anyone publishes related to religion, politics, or anything like that, I'm like, get this out of here. <laughs> this is like, this is my professional space. Don't pollute it. Totally. And then, I mean, if somebody posted about a Sunday service, but it was on Facebook, that would feel a lot more appropriate, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, it's, it's really interesting how those things work and how our expectations of what is on those platforms so, so does if you cross post poorly, are you undermining your own credibility as an organization? Are you basically setting yourself up to fail? Are you better, for example, we're talking about application. We want to be everywhere. But if you're everywhere looking bad, um, are you better off just like, Keeping like if your business just keep and you like your core, let's say your core uh, demographic is Twitter and LinkedIn serious. Are you better just keeping reducing and, and maybe not alienating or making yourself look out of place? Yeah, I think that's a really interesting question. I mean, if I think it's rather than affecting your your reputation negatively, I think that honestly, the worst thing that happens is you get ignored. Right. I think we have this assumption that we dominate our consumers or thoughts and perceptions and that they really care about us and think about us all, all the time. And that would be great. I mean, I'd kill for that. <laughs> My job would be not. Uh, I think you just, the, you yeah. just like someone to read your content. You're like, <laughs> you read my content, find it useful, and it has practical application to you. Job done. I mean, that's right. <laughs> it's, but, um, uh, yeah, I think that the worst thing that we're doing in those instances is a opening ourselves up to being ignored uh, and also wasting our budgets. Right. I, if you're cross posting an ad across three, four networks and you're being ignored on, I mean, 75 percent of them, that's wasted budget that could be put elsewhere. Um, and so, yeah, I think it, the lesson is really about strategic focus and figuring out where customers are, what mindset they're in when they're using these platforms and leveraging that to the best of your ability as a marketer. Sounds like a good chat GPT application. You post one time and then it tunes your post to each platform. Don't give the robot more to do. Gosh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, chat GPT. Uh, uh, oh, yeah. It's, yeah. This, yeah. Okay, you mentioned TikTok. Yeah. So what's happening with TikTok? Uh, it's exploding. I can't, I have to beat my kids to get them off of it. Yeah. Um, what about other demographics? What are businesses? What What's happening just generally with TikTok? And is it still expanding? Yes. Uh, I mean, as far as our latest data shows us, it's, mm -hmm. it's still growing. It's still growing very quickly. Yeah. Um, I... I know that this was last year at this point and I've been I've been in Christmas mode already so I'm not up to date on the latest the latest okay. TikTok monthly active users figures I wish I I, I could pull them up for everybody. Yeah. Um I know that they crossed over a billion users uh late last year 
And I think that the biggest thing that marketers can take away about TikTok's growth is, is not just a Gen Z platform. I think we've, uh, it, a large, large portion of the, the, the users on that platform are tend to be younger, but we're seeing that change, right? Uh, I think it's more about thinking about niche audiences and niche perspectives and the kind of creative storytelling that happens on TikTok in different pockets and communities. Um, and so, yeah, I, I, I mean, TikTok's fascinating and I, I, I want to see it grow further and see what, what happens on that platform because, uh, I mean, up until a couple of years ago, the, the idea that a platform would uh, even match Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter seemed unthinkable and, well, a lot changed. <laughs> yeah, it's, I wonder if Karl Marx w was alive. He always talked about capital. I wonder if he would talk about the power of distribution because if you control the means to distribute goods, services, and messages, that's a lot of power now. I mean, it is. I yeah. mean, Twitter and Facebook and other forms of social media can swing elections. So um, who knows what they can do? Yeah. Um, what about, did you guys, do you consider uh, uh, Twitch a social media? That is a very interesting question. Uh, as far as the product at Hootsuite is concerned, we don't because okay. we, we don't have an integration. But okay. If you're asking my personal perspective, I think that the definition of social media is getting ever broader by the day. I mean, if we, if you open up Twitch as as a social media, which I think it is, I mean, there's yeah. so much commerce and creation happening on Twitch as as a streaming service, advertising dollars getting pumped into it, um, and people using it in a, in, in crazy numbers. Um, uh, but then I think we open ourselves up to the conversation of like, is Peloton uh, a social networking app? There's there's social networking features and you can talk to people who aren't necessarily in front of you, who are part of this very specific community of people yeah. that use this bike. Um, but yeah, at some point we stop talking about social media and we just start talking about the internet and communication and finding where that boundary is, is a lot more gray than I think a lot of people assume. Uh, yeah. and I, it's, I mean, one of my professional missions is to find that boundary and stick to it, but I haven't, I haven't cracked it quite yet. <laughs> I, th I think, I think you're right. That is a deeper, like philosophical slippery slope question. I mean, yeah, it's kind of a social media, I guess, Twitch, but it's, it's a different format than most of the things we use, which are much shorter format. And, and um, so it's a, it's a little different. What about budgets? What happened to budgets with social media? Because um, of course we're centered on B2B and SaaS. And, and, and budgets have taken a bit of a hit. Um, there's also a counterpoint, which is that in, there's an industry trend, which is customer acquisition costs keep growing. Yep. So what are, what are happening with budgets on social media? And I know your data now may be a little old, but what, what did you guys see with data? Because we've got more headwinds rec more recently. Well, yeah, it's an interesting question. And we, when we were developing the survey and thinking about this, you're right. We were working off of some legacy data off of things like the CMO survey or Forrester or eMarketer and, and, and information that they were putting out. Um, but we did try and anticipate how marketers would be spending their money uh, in 2023. So we did ask some questions around that. And 
for what that was worth, what we found is that while spend on marketing as a whole is going down, which I'm sure we all know, mm -hmm. uh, the confidence and the spend on social media as a proportion of the marketing budget is actually very stable and going up and expected to go up. Um, and I'm going to pull up the exact stats, which I have in front of me, because those are more useful than than anecdote, I think. Uh, where are they? Also, sorry, Costa, do you have a link to the report? We can put that up and... and yeah, and, absolutely. Yeah. Do you want me to drop that in the chat or do you want me yeah, to send sure. it to you afterwards? No, drop it in the Google chat and I'll, I'll post it into the chat room over here. For sure. Uh, I also encourage people to just Google social media trends report because secretly it helps our SEO ranking. <laughs> if, you, if you Google it, we should be first on Google right now, but uh, we can use all the support, but I will drop the link as well. <laughs> our inbound team will be forever grateful. Um, so that's a report right there. Dropped it in the chat. Okay. Um, but yeah, so just to reiterate, the while marketing budgets are going down, the confidence that people are showing in social media uh, and the money being spent on social media as a proportion of the marketing budget is stable and expected to grow. Um, so while marketing budgets have climbed nearly 10% of to nearly 10% of totally com company revenue in 2022, up from 6% in 2021. They're still lagging behind pre-pandemic levels and spend on social media relative to pre-pandemic levels is going up too, predicted to increase steadily over the next five years. And I believe it was expected to increase to 23.5%. Don't quote me on that exact stat. That is a stat from the CMO survey and the link to that citation should be in that portion of the report, which is marketing trend two. Uh, budgets on the line as bosses, bosses demand social receipts. So. The takeaway is that the, the the confidence in social media as a marketing tool is really strong. And I think that was something that many CMOs and marketing practitioners saw during the pandemic. I think that's the biggest bump there. We were forced to start using the channels that are disposable, that are, are disposable, less out of home, less uh, uh, um, uh, print, if people are still using print. I like print. I'm a yeah. cop at heart. It's quaint. Um, it's very quaint. <laughs> it's quaint. Yeah. Uh, I was like telling my children, this is a book. Yeah. Um <laughs> Real this is a this is a CD. <laughs> and they're like, ooh. Oh what man. ancient I technology. Remember I remember taking a pencil and just cranking the cassette <laughs> to get yeah. back in. Um yeah, things change fast. But um yeah, the big takeaway I guess is that that confidence in social media as a marketing tool is very stable um, and marketers should be exploring it more as we go forward, even though I think print should have its heyday. Um, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> Got to keep them in business. Exactly. exactly. Uh, <laughs> gosh, have you read a new space paper recently? I'm a huge journalism nerd, so I have, but it's, it's, I, I'm the anomaly <laughs> statistic. No, just the point is because the budgets have gone down, you just don't have the same quality of writers at or research or. or it's true. I mean, I also think that the talent pool for industries like journalism are wavering for that same reason, right? I have plenty of friends who are journalists who uh want to be in it for the right reasons and to to be the the fourth estate and to challenge the politicians and to hold people accountable which is very important and 
democratic societies. Um, and yeah, the money's, the money's better in tech. <laughs> you gotta pay for rent. You gotta pay rent. <laughs> you gotta pay rent. You gotta buy food and inflation's at 9%. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. We, we should remember that. Okay. <laughs> um, what about, um, yeah, I mean, it's funny because working in tech, I think when we first started using social media, my perception of was like, oh, this is kind of cool and you put out your message here. And I don't think um, anybody at the C level or VP level is too concerned by it. And and now it's increasingly impassable. Yeah. Um, and it's it's gone from something that's like need to do, which is we we got to have to have a strategy here. And what's our strategy to, to engage with people? And, and grow our business across these things. What What are some other things the report called out that maybe we haven't touched on? No worries. Yeah, I think the one big bucket we haven't really talked about is social commerce. Uh, okay. So things like live shopping and, and in-app purchases. Um, and I've got two little trends there. I'm going to see if I can synthesize them into one. Okay. Um, but one of the big things that the report found was to backtrack a bit, we use some external data to, to basically prove the point that the, uh, the, the talk about social commerce and the opportunity in social commerce um, hadn't quite come to fruition. So I think during the pandemic, uh, many VCs, many investors, many uh, marketers were looking to markets like China and looking at the state of social commerce and purchase, like in-app purchases, live shopping, um, and looking at it going, wow, this is a 53, I've got the exact stat in front of me. I think it's a $53 billion industry in China or even more. No, sorry, $350 billion industry in China. So $300 billion in purchases made through social platforms. Um, and a lot of networks started investing in their social shopping features, trying to get uh, live shopping features into things like uh, TikTok Live or into uh, Twitter spaces, things like that. I don't actually know if Twitter was doing that, but in theory. Um, and one of the things that we saw in North American markets was that that purchase pattern didn't quite follow through. And so we started to ask ourselves, why? Why weren't consumers in North American mar markets buying to the same extent as they were in places like China? And so we asked them uh, and we found that one of the biggest, sorry, as I reach over. It's okay. One of the biggest barriers to social commerce was people's trust in vendor reputation. Uh, I think in North American markets, we're inherently a little bit more uh, insular and less trusting of, of advertising and of the institutions that are giving us this advertising. And so we're less likely to make purchases uh, in platforms like Facebook or Instagram. Interesting. And I, that's not, it's not a doomsday story necessarily. One no. of the things that the, 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 the report also found was that when people made a purchase through social media and had gone to an Instagram store to make a, a to click a buy now button was they were much more likely to stick around, be super sticky customers uh, and to do it again. So really the biggest thing is just overcoming that trust barrier and giving things like offering free refunds, uh, making it really clear what your, where your website is as a digital touch point so that people can trust you as a business and spending a long time looking at the long horizon of social commerce and waiting for, honestly, waiting 
patiently for consumers to uh, start willingly using these channels. But yeah, it's just happening a lot slower than a lot of people anticipated. So what's going to happen is someone's going to say to me, hey, you need to go buy this thing on social commerce. So word of mouth is going to impact how I use social media. Oh. We still think how things like social media are dependent on, on, on word of mouth. I think that's, that's tremendous. Um, I mean, that's how it worked for TikTok. I wasn't interested in TikTok. And then my kids were like, hey, dad, you need to see some of these content creators on TikTok. And uh, they influenced me. And now don't tell my wife. I actually <laughs> look at it. Wow. Um, it's, a fun, it's a fun app. I had to delete it from my phone temporarily because I was spending too much time on it. So I <laughs> hear you loud and clear. Yeah, that's, that's, that is funny. Um, I don't want to bring up any bad stuff, no. um, but uh, you know we saw that Twitter was sold recently. Yes, <laughs> um, I've been one of those people who's like, you know, this thing's never made money. How is it going to make money? Um, putting aside all the politics and all the other stuff, how are they going to make money? How is this guy going to make it happen? And someone pointed out a really interesting point, and he's like, "Well, okay, how many of his advertisers did he lose about?" 30% and yeah. he said how much did he lay off the team and about 70% and I'm like they may already be profitable yeah give it given that yeah um which is crazy um short-term profitability versus long-term stability I think are different things but absolutely it, yeah it's it's a very uh I mean it's it's a very touchy and difficult uh, situation, I think, at Twitter, and I I really feel for the the folks that have been impacted yeah. by layoffs and who. That's a human side. You're right. You're yeah, right. there's yeah. a human element. All right. Definitely. But from a business perspective, I mean, I also and I'm, I'm going to speak for myself here, and because I, I I can't necessarily speak for Hootsuite, but I have my own personal kind of perspectives and opinions. I don't think a platform like Twitter if we think about it as a news utility or an information utility is going anywhere anytime soon. Yeah. Whether that platform is Elon Musk's Twitter or something else entirely, I think is still to be decided. And I think it's a battle that's gonna be fought long-term. But I mean, going back to different people using different social networks for different reasons, uh, I think we have become accustomed to having a utility where people can interact with their favorite journalists, their favorite academics, their favorite writers, their favorite, whatever it is you follow. Those, those are the three categories I follow. But I think people have grown accustomed to that. And I think that we've already opened the Pandora's box and I don't think it's going to fall apart in front of our eyes as quickly as a lot of people are prophesizing. Um, but yeah, whether it's Twitter or not, that that's still to be decided. And, that's that's in Mr. Musk's hands and not mine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he, he he gets the big spot. Um, yeah, it's gonna be really interesting to to watch how this plays out. It's gonna, I I think it's interesting to see these different social media platforms, which ones are coming and going and moving up, and 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 um, I just the, the impression I get is just that time is accelerating. I mean. I remember when the first digital camera came out and we were like predicting the end of Polaroid and, and Kodak and it took like 10 years 
and and now like a new social middle could come out and I think it could wipe out another one very quickly. So. <laughs> My dad who is, is approaching his 60th birthday next year has given, he's a intel, incredibly intelligent professor, very kind of like culturally attuned person. And at one point he just started a tomato garden and he hasn't looked back since. And I feel like yeah. he's got the right strategy. Yeah, the, okay. Get to work. I gotta get to work on my tomatoes. Okay, that's that's really interesting. Um, good. Well, listen, we put up we put up the link to the report. Uh, we'll make sure that everyone gets this. Um, any any last thoughts on social media or anything I I ignored or that we, you'd like to talk about? Um, honestly, I just encourage marketers to to read the social trends report to follow Hootsuite and uh to to reach out if they have any specific uh questions that they think i can help answer them um i am just grateful and honored to share this report and this research with everybody so thank you very much steve that's great and and and, and costa or constantin Pradnovich. got I, it I messed <laughs> that up again nailed messed it up no, you're again. Good. You're good. You, can, you can direct message him on twitter or linkedin whichever you like so um and he'll be happy to answer your questions Listen, thank you and Hootsuite so much. Uh, these reports are always so interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, social media. I just don't know where you could go for growth. There's just no other growth channels available. That's why I think your share of the budget is going to remain the same or increase as things go forward because people are just looking for, especially in our industry, looking growth channels are just key. So. Yeah. If you need a SaaS product, here's a shameless plug. I'm still a marketer after all. If you need a SaaS product to help you understand them better or help you manage your business across multiple channels and you're looking for somebody to turn to, check out Hootsuite. Check out Hootsuite. I'll just say, as someone who used Hootsuite something like eight years ago, I think something on the product, and I had a free account that all these things, I should have never let my free account go. <laughs> Hold it, on for dear life. <laughs> yeah, anytime you get a free SaaS account, make sure you keep that thing alive and active because that thing could be worth gold. I could probably just uh, um, have social media accounts on there today. Listen, uh, Costa, thank you very much for your time. Um, uh, and have a great day. It's morning where you're at. So, absolutely. Okay. Thank you so much for having me, Steve. I appreciate it. All right. Bye bye. Bye. Um, really interesting. Let's see. I want to go. I want to go back to my screen. Okay. Well, listen, really, really interesting talking to Costa. Um, the report, again, it's, it's, you can research it on Google, research, do a search on Hootsuite, research social trends. It'll help boost their SEO ranking. Uh, not that Hootsuite isn't so very, very much. They do a pretty good job on this. Um, it's really interesting. You know, reading reports like this are always a good place to get ideas about how you can prove your own social media game. So check that out. Uh, again, um, our next show is this Thursday. So we're going to talk about SaaS marketing. Uh, now more than ever, uh, with a wonderful person, Allison Murdoch. Um, so Allison is CEO and founder of uh, Trusted CMO. A uh, very talented lady. Um, and it's, it's interesting. I read a report not too long ago that said that 
SaaS companies that are not reducing spend on marketing, that are maintaining or increasing spend on marketing, are doing better than other SaaS companies. I have a feeling those companies have better product Mac fit, uh, but that's a whole nother question. But we're gonna talk to her about what good SaaS companies are doing, what they're focusing on, and what she's seeing in the market, um, and why marketing is not something. Like, that marketing. It's just um, reprioritize, yeah, but uh, it's not a good idea to cut that if you're gonna starve the funnel for later on. Listen, we'll see you. And then again, after the, the 15th, then next week we have our last show before the end of the year, and that's gonna be on IOT. Really looking forward to that. Uh, that's an industry I used to work with, work in, I'm sorry. Um, so next week, or I'm sorry, the Thursday the 15th, Sass Marketing, now more than another with Allison. We'll see you then at 6 p.m. Have a great day.